we're on a series. It's about the basics of the faith. And there's something that stood out to me. I, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I was amazed after listening to uh, someone who deals with high-performing athletes that they said that athletes at a high level, they perform not so they can get something right one time, but so they do it until they cannot get it wrong. They practice until they, they can't get it wrong. And I'm like, wow. So today I want to talk to you about prayer. Because I bet you that there are some folks out there, if you've been like me, there have been times where in my life I prayed the most when the situation was the worst, right? And then it got good and I got a little slack. And then it would get bad again and my prayer life would pick up. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we prayed to such an extent that we just never didn't pray? Like we would just always pray. The, the thought of not praying didn't come to our mind. It was just that we developed a lifestyle of prayer. And in doing that, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I'm like, God, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Anybody ever thought that in your, in your mind? Like, I, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. Is there like a, a place I could go in Scripture, you know, that would tell me, like, how you do it? And and, and then people will come to you at different times and they'll say, I understand, I understand. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. And when I hear that, I don't know about you, but particularly this week, I've been sitting there going, what does an unbeliever think when a believer looks at them and says, Kobe, just pray about it. Now, Kobe's a believer, I know. What does it mean just pray about it? You know, the disciples weren't even sure. <laughs> and so the disciples come to Jesus after he's been praying, and they said, uh, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? So the message today is this. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? I just want to make sure we're doing it right. I just want to make sure that we're getting it right. It's got to be one of the basics, right? This thing of of prayer. And so I want us to be in two places today. We're not going to have the, the scripture on the screen today. This is going to chat. This is why I need one of these versus one of these. And they're both good. I'm not talking about either one of them, okay? But today I have this little thing right here called this ribbon. It's a beautiful thing because you're like, how does he get to places so fast? He has a ribbon. I bought a Bible that has two ribbons, and I'm in two places, and the ribbon is going to help me get between those places really fast. Now, I don't know how you're going to get there fast. You may just listen to me, okay? We're going to be in two places. We're in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus gets through praying, it says, and the disciples look at Jesus, and they say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? But not just anyway. They said, we want you to teach us to pray the way that, that John taught his disciples. And, and you'll find in Luke chapter 11 that that prayer that Jesus teaches there sounds a lot like what we would call the, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Listen to it. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? But you didn't learn it from that version. 
You didn't learn it from Luke chapter 11. You learned it from Matthew chapter 6. That's where my other ribbon is. And in, and in Matthew chapter 6, here's the interesting thing. That's the prayer that you know, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's an interesting thing. Some of y'all are reading through the Bible in chronological order. So you know that when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that they're telling some of the very same stories. So when you read Matthew, you read all the way through. Then you go to Mark. You start at the beginning. You read all the way through. Same with Luke and John. And so I was curious. I said, is the teaching in Matthew the, the same spot, the same teaching in Luke? And, it, and it's not. Here's what happened. Jesus teaches on his own accord in Matthew 6. He says, I need to teach you how to pray. But on that day, apparently the disciples didn't get it. You ever been to church? I know it's never happened to you here. But have you ever been any other place where somebody else was teaching? And they taught a good message, but you just weren't ready. Like, you just couldn't get it that day. You couldn't receive it. You were just in a, in a different place or something. Well, he teaches about prayer in Matthew 6, but they don't get the need for it until Matthew 11 when they look at him and go, hey, could you teach us to pray? And I'm so glad, aren't you, that Jesus didn't look at them and say, look, I done told you that one time. You know, that... That's how, that's how we, we think sometimes. We tell our kids something one time and we think they're supposed to get it. You know, I done told you that once, right? As a pastor, it's been a good lesson for me because I have learned that you have to teach something about 19, 11 times. And then one day somebody will come up and they'll say, you know what, I just realized, and they'll spill something that you've been teaching for like 20 years, and you're like, Good, I'm, I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you got it. I've been telling you that for 20 years. And you just now got, okay, good. So they're at a place in Matthew 11. They're like, we, we want to know how to pray. But now here's the thing. Our praying today, whatever that looks like, is very different than what it looked like in Jesus' day. So what did it look like in Jesus' day? I'm glad you asked. So in Jesus' day, you recited prayers. Some of you are thinking, oh, I need to get me some of those. You know, where I can just read off a prayer and know I'm doing it right. Is there any place I can, I can go get me one of those? And so they had three prayers every day. They had a morning prayer, an afternoon prayer, and an evening prayer. And you would recite these prayers. And then there were some prayers along the way. So when you got up in the morning, you would say, Lord, we thank you for opening our eyes. You go to put on your clothes. You say, Lord, I thank you that you've clothed me today. You'd go for that first piece of bread. And you go, Lord, I thank you that you have given us bread to eat today. And then you'd go to bed at night maybe and you'd say, Lord, thank you for all that you've done for me today. I pray you give me rest. So they have all these prayers. The Jewish people are some praying people. They pray a lot. Now, on top of that, John the Baptist and all these other teachers would come around and they would add some stuff to their normal prayers. So a teacher would go up to somebody and they say, all those prayers you're doing, young people, they good, but I need you to add this. And they would give them something else to memorize and something else to pray. And John had given his disciples something to pray. <laughs> That's why some of you may find this to be familiar. You know when Jesus, he said, take my yoke upon me. 
Anybody ever heard that verse? Take my yoke upon me. Yoke was more. He wasn't just talking about ox and a yoke. The yoke was the teaching that the other teachers had given. It was all the extra stuff. They were called yokes of teaching. You can imagine by the time you've gotten all these different teachings, that's a lot of stuff to keep up with. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke on you. Because my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He, he's saying, I, I'm not coming to add a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm coming to change the way in which we even do this thing called prayer. And so I, I want us to go over to Matthew 6. I'm not even going to teach on the prayer today. You've heard it so many times. I want to teach on what he talked about before he got into the prayer. The, the preface work, the, the prep work that Jesus did before the prayer. Listen to what he said. When, I'm in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. I told some people in prayer this morning, I said, sometimes I go to different prayer meetings, and when I go away, I have to get in my Bible and I say, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Because I'm not sure what we did was right. Like, because you know hypocrites love to pray. Did you know that? Hypocrites love to pray. And they love to pray in places where people can see them, in the synagogue and on the street corners. And he said, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Just because somebody has a real slick prayer when they get up and it sounds real good, doesn't mean you ought to follow that prayer and make it your model. It doesn't mean that you should make that your model. And, and so let's keep going. He said, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret. You. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, young people, I. I love that y'all sit up front now, by the way. I love having y'all here. And for our other peoples. <laughs> I, I want us to look at what it means to pray today. And I want to see if I can answer some of what I think were some questions I had when I was young. See if they might help y'all while y'all are young to make sure that you're praying the way that God tells us to in his word. And so here's the thing. He says this prayer is not a performance. So when you're called on to pray, you don't need to feel like you have to do something good for the people who are around you, that you're praying in a way that you're going to get some nods and some amens, because you know what? You ain't praying to them. Prayer is not a performance. In fact, it is not primarily public. <laughs> Y'all, when I was younger, over at Second Baptist, where I spent most of my years as a teenager, my father-in-law, Steve, would call on this one particular person. He's dead now. I don't remember his name, so nobody will ever know. So I can tell the story now. That's what you have to do. Sometimes you have to wait till people die, then you can tell the story. <laughs> Steve would get up and he said, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask. And all the young people would go, oh, please not. There was one guy. And when Steve called on that one guy to pray, everybody's like, oh, no. We're going to be here forever. I have no idea what he prayed about. I just know we were all asleep when he got done. 
and Steve had to talk real loud after it was over to get everybody back together again because it was like, don't call on him to break. <laughs> it, it is not a performance. <laughs> it is something that you primarily do in private. Your public prayer life ought to flow out of your private prayer life. Which, which means you shouldn't be doing more in public than you're doing in private. That, that there should be more of that in places where people have never seen you pray. But it's not only private. Jesus is getting at something here that hadn't been gotten at before. Prayer is personal. So let's, let's just go back and make sure we're on the same page. Prayer is not a performance. It is private. But more importantly, prayer is personal. That's why Jesus starts out his prayer. Our Father. Not, and there's not, you know, people pray in all kinds of different ways. But I tell you what, if I had to have someone pray, Oh, holy God. <laughs> or, if somebody just said, Father, I know you hear me. If somebody just calls out, Father. Let me know you got a relationship with him. Let me know that he's your daddy. Then I know you got a personal relationship. Now, now I'll tell you that, that cultures have different ways to pray. And, and I got to tell you that, that there are cultures where when they pray, I feel like they're tearing down every stronghold in heaven. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I can't pray that way. It wouldn't be authentic for me to do it that way. But I love, like when Baron prays, do y'all love when Baron prays? If y'all have not heard Baron pray, like Baron is like tearing the devil's hind end up when he prays. <laughs> and I'm like, go! <laughs> Get him, Baron! <laughs> and I love it. But, but I can't pray that way. So, so when I pray, I pray more like a kid that's climbing up in the lap of his daddy. And, and I'm not saying that one is better than the other, okay? But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm making the point that prayer is personal. That's what Jesus was after. It's got to be personal. And then another thing that comes to us is, all right, if, if we've made it personal, then what does verse 7 say? And when we are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. I wonder what would happen if we took away all of your asking in prayer. What would be left of your prayer life? If we took away all of your asking and all of your requests for yourself and for your loved ones and for the things that are going on in your life, how much prayer would you have left? You see, he says, don't use meaningless words and realize that your father already knows what you have need of I wonder sometimes if our prayer life is about like submitting a ticket order for a repairman. Is anybody with me? Any of y'all ever worked in a big company? If something breaks down, you've got you to gotta fill out a repair ticket, right? You've got to send in a, an order for somebody to come and fix your computer. I wonder if we haven't made prayer like filling out a service ticket. If, if prayer hasn't become wanting, actually, to just get my prayers answered. In fact, most of the time when people want to know how to pray, you know what they're really asking? I want to know how to get my prayers answered. <laughs> 
And so it sounds like this, young people, it's like, it's getting time for Christmas or it's getting time for my birthday. Lord, I please, Lord, I'm sending in a ticket. Can I, can I please get those shoes I want? Now, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Can I, can I, Lord, please, you know, my parents mess it up sometimes. Can I please get those AirPods, please? You know, now your parents are laughing, but they do the same thing. Because <laughs> what they'll do is something like this. They're like, Lord, my finances is in bad shape. Lord, can you please help me get that new job? Or they praying about y'all. Lord, I'm so worried about my little baby girl. <laughs> and is there any way you could just straighten her out? Because <laughs> she's a mess. And I'm concerned for her. Lord, could you, I, I'm putting in a prayer ticket. Could you just repair her? <laughs> and, and then bring her back to me when you're done? Because I can't do nothing with her. <laughs> you see, he, I'm concerned that in approaching prayer, we're already approaching it in the wrong way because all we want to do is get our prayers answered. And what I'm trying to tell you is Jesus saying there's more to prayer than getting your prayers answered. There's some of the best stuff actually come out of something we're going to get to in a little bit. So let's, if he knows what we need, and if we're not supposed to have meaningless repetition, then some questions come to mind. Here's some that I've had over the years. I want to know if y'all have had any. How long should I pray? Anybody ever wondered that? How, how long should, should I pray? Do you know that Jesus' prayers in the Bible are very short? They're incredibly short. If you look at them, they are not. The, his longest prayer is shorter than many of our prayers. The high priestly prayer is one of his longest prayers. Even when he prays for 5,000 hungry people and he's got five pieces of bread and two fish, it says he took it, he blessed it, and he broke it. I'm like, apparently his prayer was not even worth writing down. Now, if I am trying to feed 5,000 people, Annabeth, with five loaves and, and two fish, I'd have to tell all of y'all, look, y'all need to sit down because it's going to be a minute. <laughs> it's going to be a minute. This is going to be a long prayer. But because I got a big assignment, do you realize that the length of your prayer is of no concern? Like, there's no more value in a long prayer than a short prayer. <laughs> It is faith that makes it active. It is not how long you pray. So there are a lot of people that think, I just have to pray a long time in order for God to hear me. And I would say, Jesus didn't. Because Jesus knew his father. And he knew he didn't have to beg his father for something. And so his prayers weren't long. And, and, and then sometimes I wonder, well, how many times am I supposed to pray a day? I hear people talking about, now, I say my prayers at night before I go to bed. And I'm like, well, well good. Well, how many times are you supposed to pray? Are you supposed to pray morning and, and lunch and, and night? And, and how are you supposed to do it? Jesus made it a lifestyle. I, I don't even think he would have understood the question, how often do you pray? Because he would have said something like this, I just pray all the time. I'm just constantly communicating with my father. I ran into a book years ago, and I recommend you read it. It's a, a prayer called um, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Any of you read it? 
few of you have. Practice in the Presence. It is an amazing little teeny book written way back in like 1400 or something. And it was this guy, he was a monk and he was in a, in a monastery. And his job was the kitchen. Can you imagine that? So he's washing dishes and he's making food. And he wanted to be in the presence of God all the time. Now, the monasteries, you would have all these different prayers. But Brother Lawrence said, I, I want more than that. I just want to constantly be in the presence of God. want to be just constantly communing with him. Like talking to him while I'm washing dishes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Any of y'all that washing dishes? Just want to be talking to him while I'm making pancakes. You know, just, just want to be talking to him while I'm cutting grass. Women, y'all think we just like cutting grass. No, it is time to talk with Jesus. That is why we cut the grass. It, it's why we cut it when it doesn't even need cutting. It's like it doesn't even need cutting. I know, but I need to talk to Jesus. Brother Lawrence said, I just do it all the time. And, it, and they said, well, what happens when the person over the monastery comes to you and says it's time for prayer? He said, well, I go. He said, I go to those times of prayer. He said, but honestly, I love this. Never forgot it. I may not be quoting it exactly right, but he said, but honestly, he said, I'm as much at prayer in the kitchen as I am at the altar. Oh, amen, Kevin. Mm, that's actually amen, Brother Lawrence. I am as at much with God in the kitchen as I am at the altar. You see, church, we have this habit of whenever you have a meeting at church, you got to start it with prayer. That actually became weird to me after I started practicing the presence of God. Because you see, when I started practicing the presence of God, and what that means is you don't want to go very long without your heart connecting with God in some way. God, thank you. Lord, thank you that you're with me. God, thank you that you love me. Lord, thank you that I'm going into this next situation. You're going to show me what to do. So when I show up for a meeting and somebody says, don't you think we should pray? I'm like, hadn't you already been? Like you just now want to pray? Like we getting ready to talk about the finances for the church. I sure hope you were praying before you got here. <laughs> we we getting ready to talk about what the church is going to do in the next five. You want to pray now? <laughs> it's fine to stop and pray. It is. And I'm like, Brother Lawrence, if y'all want to pray, we'll stop and pray. But I've been praying long before I got to this meeting. And, and what solidified it for me is this. Look at this right here, young people. That thing is about 14 years old. This piece of paper. Can y'all see what it says on it? It says, ask. It's been in my office for 14 years. Caden was three years old when I got this. That's how long. That's a long time. Isn't it? Ask. People walk into my office, they'll say, ask what? And I'm like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you see, 14 years ago, I went to Jacksonville, Florida to spend about five weeks with a, a businessman who was one of the most godly people I've ever known, who loved God and, and 
constantly stayed before God in his presence. And he, very first day, he wrote this on a piece of paper. It was a flat piece of paper. It was white at the time. And he set it on my desk. And he says, this is what you need to learn. And I'm like, ask what? And he says, you have to learn, Kevin, to be constantly in the presence of God. Like when you're listening to a person, Kevin, you're not only just listening to what the person is saying, but you're listening to God and you're saying, God, what do you need me to hear? What is this person trying to tell me? God, let me hear their heart. Lord, let me hear you so I'll know how to respond. Have some of you ever responded to someone and you didn't ask God what to say? And then you, that's the times you'll go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. But have you ever asked God and given what God wanted you to say and walked away and said, I wish I hadn't said that? Even when it doesn't go well, you still know I did what I was supposed to do. I said what I was supposed to do and I said it in in love and you don't have any regrets. He said, Kevin, when you read the word of God, he said, don't just read it. Young people, don't just read this thing. He said, ask. Like, why are you reading? Be talking to God, saying, God, what am I supposed to know? What am I supposed to be hearing? What am I supposed to be understanding? Whenever you're going into anything in life, he said, you just ask. This one card goes with me wherever my office is. Because it reminds me that I have to be constantly in the presence of God. That I constantly need to be hearing his voice. And then some of you would say, well, well, what do you say to God when you pray? Like, what do you what do you talk about? I heard this story about Mother Teresa. Dan Rather interviewed her. Y'all know who Mother Teresa is? Okay, Mother, you know who Dan Rather is? News anchor. So he interviews Mother Teresa and he says, Mother Teresa, he says, when you're praying, what do you say? She says, I mostly just listen. He said, he stopped for a minute. He looked at her again. He said, well, Mother Teresa, what does God say? She looked at him and she said, he mostly just listens to you. Did you get that? What are you saying? Mother Teresa said, not much. I'm just listening. Well, what does God say? Not much. He's just listening. She looked at Dan Rather. She said, if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. But when you get it, you got a treasure. <laughs> Let me see if I can try to explain it to you. I grew up in Blackstock. It was 15 minutes from everything. It's 15 minutes from town. Rode an old van. Had Taylor's TV Town written on the side of it. If you don't think that'll make you tough pulling up at high school with a van that says Taylor's TV Town on, that'll make you tough. <laughs> Go hopping out of that van. <laughs> at high school. Y'all think y'all got problems. <laughs> 15 minutes both ways. And all those years, 18 years almost, or not 18, because I finally got my own driver's license and could drive myself, get out of that van. But for 15 years at least, we rode 15 minutes both ways. How many times did we actually say anything, Dad? Not much, right? We hardly said a word on those trips to school. Do you know those trips to school are some of my most favorite memories? You know why? 
Because me and dad didn't say a word. We was just together. And there was something special about just riding around with dad that I'll never, never forget. Always cherish. <laughs> if that doesn't sink home, then let me try another one. My son loves sports. And so we go to a baseball game. We like Carolina. I'm sorry we do. It just, I, I don't know how I picked it. I can't leave it. We like Carolina, so we go to Carolina baseball games and basketball games and football games, and I, I take pictures of these games. I tell him to, to stand, and I'll take his picture at those games. <laughs> Can I break it to you? I don't go because I like the baseball games and the basketball games and the football games. I go because I like him. <laughs> and I get an entire day with him, undivided attention. And that's why I like games. Can you hear God who is Father saying to you, I just want to spend some time with you. And we don't have to fill it up with words for you to feel like you're praying. Because praying ain't all about talking. Sometimes praying is just sitting in the presence and loving on the one who's next to you. Yeah? Oh, you see, sometimes the greatest prayers, you don't ever say a word. And then he says, you don't, you don't have to worry about how you're going to approach me because you're always welcome. Do you realize that God always says we can get together and just spend time together? Like he's never going to turn you away. <laughs> and, and so I got another. Can you handle another story? <laughs> there's, a, there's a story about a soldier in the Civil War. And the soldier is fighting alongside of his father and his brother at Gettysburg. He's in the Union Army, and his father and his brother are killed. He's the only one left. And he has to go back to the president and try to get a release so that he can stop being a soldier and go home and help his mother and his sister plant crops or they're going to starve. So he's got to try to get to the president because the president's the only one that can give him leave. So he goes to the White House, and he's stopped by a soldier. And the soldier says, uh, son, what business do you have here? And he says, well, sir, and he explains the situation. The soldier looks at him, and he says, son, don't you understand? This is the president of the United States. We are fighting a war. He does not have time to worry about your problems. Get back on the field and fight like you're supposed to. Wow. So the soldier goes and sits down on a bench next to the White House, and this boy walks up. And the boy looks at the soldier, and he says, Soldier, why are you so sad? The soldier explains to the little boy. He says, I need to get home. My mom and my sister, they need me to help plant, but I can't get in to, to see the president. He's the only one that can help me. The little boy, he says, I can help with that. Come on. And he grabs him by the hand. And he starts pulling this. This soldier back to the White House. And the soldier's thinking, well, I've been here before. I've done this before. It didn't work. Well, this time he gets to the soldiers. The soldiers don't say a word. They just keep walking. Next thing you know, they're up on the White House. And the, the little boy opens the door and nobody says a word. Because, you know, back in those days, you could, you could go in the White House. And he just goes right in. And he makes his way back to the Oval Office where... He doesn't even knock on the door. The little boy just opens the door, doesn't 
knock and nobody stops him. And he walks in and Abraham Lincoln is sitting with his secretary of state and some generals and he walks right in and doesn't make an apology. And do you know what the president said? Hey, Todd. Todd is the president's oldest son, Todd Lincoln. He said, hey, son, why don't you introduce me to your new friend? And he said, daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. The soldier talked to the president and got his leave. <laughs> there are a lot of people that feel like they can't have access to God because they're approaching it as an outsider. But you see, Todd didn't go to the president as an outsider. <laughs> he went as a son. And a son doesn't need to make an appointment. And a son don't have to knock. And a son don't have to ask permission. I can tell you that I will not look at a lot of phone calls when I'm in a meeting. But when Caden Taylor pops up on that phone, you know what? Excuse me, I need just a moment. You know why? Because I need him to know that when he calls his daddy, as best as possible, his daddy's going to try to answer that phone. Yeah? Mamas and daddies, I think we need to kind of institute that in our own lives. You know, is, is that our kids need to know that when they need us, they got us. You know? Now, at the same time, don't go. Now, see, I'm trying to help y'all, but now don't go asking for stupid stuff. Okay? Okay? Like when they work and don't call them asking stupid stuff. Let that wait. But if you need them, I done pri I've got them primed. They're ready. Okay? Okay. You don't have to make an appointment. Do you know that's what Jesus did for you? Todd's kind of like Jesus. You were far from God. Couldn't have a converse, meaningful conversation with him. You were estranged. You were far from God. But what did Jesus do? By dying and by raised, being raised from the grave, what has he become? The one who grabs you by the hand and says, I know you don't feel like you belong. He said, I, I know you don't feel like you got any place here, but see, I do. He says, my name is Jesus. I'm the son of the father and I can make intercession for you. I can come and speak on your behalf. I can come and take you to the father and you can find life. Yeah. If there's somebody in the room and you've been sitting around just kind of staring at Jesus, I think you ought to take him by the hand. And let him take you to the Father and make you a child of the Most High God. That way you can approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that there's mercy and grace in your time of need. Whew. I'm going to take a break right there. Just let that sit. You have a place before the Father. Don't think that the Father isn't going to hear your prayers because he is now, in the time that is remaining, I need to take you over to Luke because there's some important things. And I know I have given you a lot, but I need to give you some more because this might be the first time you've heard it or it might be the last time that you get to hear it. So I need you to know it. Jesus tells a story over in Luke chapter 11. And I believe we have misunderstood the entire point of the story. And I want to read the story to you. It's Luke chapter 11, verse 5. 
Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and he says, do not bother me. The door's already been shut and my children are in bed. I can't get up and and give you anything. Verse eight, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, Because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Listen to this, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I'm probably going to challenge some of your understanding of this very verse. Because people read this verse and teach this verse and they say there are times you just got to stay persistent before God in prayer you just got to storm the gates of heaven you just got to stay before the throne look at verse 5 then he said to him suppose one of you has a friend he's another way of that that's translated in fact my bible prefaces it says Which one of you has a friend? Which one of you has a friend that if you needed something in the middle of the night, you couldn't call on them? Would that be a friend? No. Jesus is not the bad friend. We te- are you with me? We teach that and we tell people you just got to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Little Todd didn't have to do anything. He just walked up and said, hey, daddy, this guy needs something. Abraham Lincoln says, okay, what you need? <laughs> so many people believe that they have to pray and pray and pray as though God is sitting like this puppet master or like that state farm. Sorry but it's your commercial. <laughs> remember that State Farm commercial where the guy had the money on the fishing rod? And, and y'all remember that? And the people would try to get the money and they go, woof! <laughs> and he go, woo, almost! Woo, almost! <laughs> now he's not looking at me. The State Farm agent, I think, was not like that, right? I think that was the point. Yeah, the point is God is not like the fisherman that's like, whoop, sorry, and you're like, whoop. (laughs) The, the, The point of it is Jesus is not like that. There's another story over in Luke 18 about a judge. A woman tries to approach a judge to get justice. And she says she had to keep talking to him. And he didn't want to do it. But she she kept on until finally he relented. And he gave her justice. And it says in Luke 18, it says, Will not God give you justice swiftly? I'm working on something here. I don't know if it's getting... I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. But a lot of us feel like we got to just keep going and keep going as though God doesn't want to do what we want Him to do. But if we just keep praying, maybe we can talk Him into it. Oh, that's a bad way to pray. That's a bad view of God. Look at what it says on now. I'm still in Luke chapter 11. So I uh, no, let's go to verse 11. Now suppose one of you... Uh, 
fathers is asked by his son for a fish, he will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ah, you don't have to beg God. You don't have to move God. Most of the... Oh, and by the way, can I just talk about fasting for a minute? Most people will say, well, if I can't get something from God, then I'll just fast. And surely that'll do it. It's like, look, God, I ain't eating. I'm starving away. If you don't answer, I'm going to die. That's manipulative. That is using fair. Fasting is manipulate. Fasting is not trying to move God. Fasting is trying to get yourself in a position where all you want is God. Hmm. Yeah. Fasting is about positioning you. Fasting is about breaking stuff off of your life that is hindering you from hearing God. God is not holding any good thing from you. When things aren't happening in your life, a lot of times he is moving the pieces in order and he is saying to you, would you please be patient? And would you please just have enough faith in me to believe that I'm a good father? And that I'm going to do good things for you. And that the bad things that come, that comes from other people, not me. But I'll even take those things and I'll work them for your good. Yes. Sometimes we're not getting what we pray for because we're asking for the wrong thing. I don't know if any of you have ever asked for the wrong thing and got it. Hmm. Have any of you lived long enough to ask for the wrong thing and get it? And then you're like, oh my goodness. You know, I did not need that. You know? But oh, I had to have myself a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's funny. But then six, nine months later, when you got a baby and he leaves you, oh, am I talking to anybody? That we've been there, we know what it's like to pray for something that you didn't, and, and you didn't need it, but you wanted it. And so you got it, and then you realized, oh my goodness, this thing is going to forever change the rest of my life. Yeah, but then God comes to you, though, and you know what he says? He said, you know what, it was a mistake, that wasn't the right person, but do you know what? <laughs> that child going to make them amazing. Going to do incredible things. Some people going to call them a mistake, but you know what? I'm going to call them chosen. I'm going to call them blessed. I'm going to make something of it. You just watch and see. Watch throughout all of Scripture how Jesus takes people that nobody else wanted, mistakes and all kind of stuff, and how God turned it around and used it in, in a mighty way for their life. Yeah, a lot of times we're not getting what we want because we're, we're asking wrong. We're not spending that time. And, and then one last thing, we'll end this up. <laughs> Chris and I, we're studying some things about finances years ago, and we ran across the scripture that says, God gives seed for sowing and bread for eating. And we were looking at that verse. And when a farmer harvests wheat, he doesn't get bread. He gets seed. And the farmer has to decide how much of that seed is he going to keep 
and sow again next time. Are you with me? So that he can eat next time. And how much he's going to grind in the bread. Are you with me? I don't know about y'all, but there's sometimes I've been praying, Lord, I need bread. Lord, I need me some bread. Lord, would you please send some bread? And the Lord is looking at me saying, Kevin, I don't make bread. I make seed. God don't give bread. More often than not, he gives seed. And you got to decide how much of that seed you will sow into the future. And how much of it you will eat for bread. I don't know how many times when I was younger, I was praying because I didn't have no money. And the problem was, it wasn't because money hadn't come my way. The problem was, I didn't sow any of it. I ate it all as bread. Oh, somebody got it now. Yeah. (laughs) T.D. Jake said this. He said, we sitting around praying for chairs and God's looking down saying, I don't make chairs. I make trees. Is anybody with me? He said, I don't make chairs. I make trees. And you can take my trees and you can make a chair, you can make a table, or you can make a boat, or you can make a fishing rod, you can make all kind of things. You make whatever you want. I don't make tables. I make trees. <laughs> Which got me to thinking. Too many times when I'm praying, I'm lazy. I'm wanting God to do something that He's told me is my responsibility. See, we co-laboring in this thing. You see? That God says, you know what? I don't want to be the guy that you just hand me your repair ticket whenever something goes wrong and say, God, would you fix my finances? Would you fix my family? He said, you know what? You know what the greatest seed in the world is? It's the bread of life. But I tell you what, there's some seeds in here. Man, there's some things I've prayed for. And more often than not now, I'm not asking for a lot. Can I just tell you that? I'm not asking for a lot in my prayers. It used to be early on as a Christian, I asked for everything. But then when I started reading the Word, it told me that God had given me everything that I needed for life and godliness. And at that point, I had to just decide if I believed it was true or not. Because if it was true, then I needed to change some things. And what I realized was that a lot of times what God has given me is peace. Which is priceless. Because I'm telling you, I don't make good decisions when I'm not at peace. How about you? He, he gives me joy. And life is so much better when I live it in joy. But life just stinks, can I say it, when I don't have joy. And, and, and I, don't, I don't act right around people. My relationships get off when I, when I don't have joy. And, and he gives me love. That way, when people say kind of crazy stuff about me, I can look at them and go, you know what? It's harder than it was yesterday, but I still love you. You know, I still love you. Today's harder than yesterday, but you know what? I still love you. Because there are days I wake up and I'm not pleasant to God and he loves me still. You know? That, that he gives me wisdom. Oh, my goodness. Some of y'all praying, Lord, because young people, I did this too. I'm going to pick on you one last time and I'm going to leave you alone, okay? I say, Lord, when I grow up, I want to make, I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> that was before I became a pastor. 
But I said, Lord, Lord, I want to I want to make a lot of money. And, and I was just hoping that somehow I'd win the lottery or something. I didn't even play. I don't even know how I thought I was going to win. But, Lord, I want to make a lot of money. You know what God was doing? He said, you can make however much money you want to make. You know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to try to give you an education. You see, we pray, God, we want a lot of money. God says, okay, fine, I'm going to give you an education. You say, oh, no, I don't want to study. <laughs> huh? Nah. <laughs> I don't want to turn in. Nah, huh? I don't want to take that seriously. Nah. Ask some adults what happened when they didn't take their education seriously. How easy is it if you didn't take your education seriously to make a lot of money? It's a hard road, isn't it? Yeah. You see how that works? We pray for one thing, and God wants to answer that prayer, but He brings it in seed form. Hmm. I wonder if God ain't trying to get the seed right in you. That if he's not trying to give you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If he's not trying to give you wisdom and not trying to give you truth. Because I tell you what, did you know that when you read the word of God, you're praying? Did you know that? Some people said, no, I ain't praying, I'm reading the word. Yes, you're praying because he's talking to you. If you'll let him. When you're reading the Word of God, ask, God, what do you want me to know? What are you trying to tell me? And then this Word becomes His Word to us. You see, that's why we did the Word first. If you missed our basics on the Word, go back and listen to them. You see, I had to preach the Word first because you can't pray without the Word. Because this is where the answers come from. <laughs> there, there's so many times we're praying, Lord, I need an answer. Lord, I need an answer. And I'm like, he, God must be sitting there going, what do you want me to do? Write it in the clouds? <laughs> do you know that God does not have a responsibility to tell you something again that He's already told you? Oh, I need to let that sink in for a minute. Because we're going to end up on that. Some of them saying, God, I need a word. God, I need a word. And God is sitting there saying, I gave you one. I gave you one. I gave you a living word, Jesus. I gave you a written word, the Bible. What makes you think that if you won't open this, you'll even have the strength to walk outside and look at the clouds? Huh? Right? Like, we know this is where you get it. But we're like, man, no, nah, I don't want to go in there. That's too much work. God, I just need you to write it in the clouds. With that mindset, you'd walk out in the clouds and it'd be written there and you go, no, nah, I couldn't have seen that right. <laughs> this is how he speaks to us. And then his Holy Spirit brings this back to our remembrance. And then he can use all kind of things to speak to us, other people. And then in a few weeks, we're going to talk about how we take the word and we take our conversations with God and we turn them into worship. Which changes our whole mindset. So here's what I want to do. Praise team, will you come? Will you guys stand to your feet? And I want to offer you a choice. You can consider prayer 
only getting your prayers answered. Or you can consider prayer just an opportunity to spend time with God at every moment. Like, I don't ever have to leave His presence unless I choose to. I don't ever have to to walk away unless that's my choice. I can be in His presence always. So I had this picture. And I had a picture of a bunch of people in a room just like this. And and the people had their, their prayer request. And they were, they were waving their prayer request before God to try to get His attention. And they're like, God, please hear my prayer. I know there's a bunch of people down there at the church. Now, all of y'all, wave your hands for just a minute like this. Wave your hand. Now, imagine that's your prayer request. And all of y'all are trying to get your prayer request answered. And everybody in the room is waving theirs trying to get theirs answered. Imagine what God is looking down on and seeing. Right? He looks down. I think he must be grieved. And says, you know what? They only talk to me when they want something. They, 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 they only wave at me when, when something goes wrong. I wish I could just go to a ball game. I wish I could just cut grass with them. I wish I could just do the dishes and ride to work with them. I wish I could just ride to school with them. I wish I could just take that test with them. But but they don't want that sometimes. But then wave your hands again. And imagine that this time our hands are waved in worship. And this time what we're saying is, God, I come to you. And you don't owe me anything. Because <laughs> you've been so good, God. You don't owe me anything. You've already done more than I deserve. God, you a good, good father. And I just want to tell you, thank you. And I want to challenge some of you that if you've been asking, just stop. And as we pray, team, will you come? Our ministry team, will you come? What I want you to do is if you've been praying and you can't get breakthrough, I want you to come down and visit this team. And I want this team to share the Word of God, speak the Word of God into that situation. And then what I want you to do is just rest. And just say, God, I thank you. I believe you heard me down at that altar at Ember that Sunday morning. And I believe that you're working on that thing. And God, if I get scared, I might come back and talk to you again about it. And I know I can. But for the most part, I'm just believing that, Lord, you're going to work it out. And now I'm going to start looking for seed. I'm going to start looking for the things that you're already planning in my life to position me for this next thing. And then our hands become these hands lifted up in praise. Isn't that a better offering to God? <laughs> Bunch of people down there trying to figure out how to get their prayers answered. Standing up on the seat going, oh, mine, mine's more important. Please answer mine. Or if we had someone that would dare to say, you know what? I serve a great God. <laughs> I serve a mighty God. I serve a God that knows, what did it say? What I need before I even ask. And God, I trust you. And God, I believe that you are working things out. Might not be like I wanted, but it'll be for my good. <laughs> I want you to come down. If you have cares, I want you to bring them to the altar and I want you to lay them there. And then I want us to worship. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do 